Ha! Hello, Team Ajulam. Karibuni sana tena. Welcome again. Today we are beginning our whole new series on the book of Acts. If you remember what I said last uh, Thursday is that we are going to be looking at the books of the New Testament beginning with the book of Acts. And today is the first episode of the book of Acts. This is going to be really dope, guys. I'm super excited about it. And, you know, the thing is, is that Acts is a really unique book because it begins to kind of point us to what the church and the early church looked like. Um, and I think this is really important because I think that, uh, especially in this day and age, there's been uh, a lot of counterfeit churches um, that have come up that, that claim to be the church of Jesus Christ. But when we, by looking at the book of Acts, we're able to just go back and point back to what is it that was uniquely um, uh, amazing about the early church uh, that we, as the Church of Jesus Christ, can emulate, right? And so we're going to be looking at the book of Acts. It's going to be super dope. And so how we're going to do this is that um, I want us to be able to look at certain um, key characters throughout this book. Um, and we're going to kind of follow through and understand this book better through these characters that are spoken of in the book of Acts, right? So that's how we're going to uh, do this thing. Now, of course, the thing that we must kick off with eh, is that uh, the first character that we must look at is, 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 is in my opinion, the, the, the guy who uh, wrote this book, which is uh, Luke. Uh, so, so Luke uh, was a physician and... Uh, he was also the guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Um, if, you, if you remember, the, the, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So, so Luke is the guy who wrote the, the Gospel of Luke. And the thing about Luke is that um, he, he was a physician and he was also a Gentile, meaning that he was uh, a non-Jew. And he was one of the guys who, first and foremost, was not one of the 12 disciples. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples uh, of, of Jesus, but it is, um, there's a lot of speculation that he's probably one of the 72 disciples, the ones who were sent, right? If you remember that there were the 72 disciples, the ones who Jesus sent out before him saying, you know, in Luke 10, 10 2 to 3, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves, right? So Luke, because he was a Gentile, that, that, that his, his, his messaging is very much targeted towards the Gentile community um, and not the, not the Jews. Um, uh, so one of the things you'll see here and how we can sum up the gospel of Luke is in Luke 19 and verse 10, where it says that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Right? This was addressed to Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. You know, who was, you know, the tax collectors were, if you remember, there were sinners and tax collectors. These were some of the most despised people. Um, that there literally was a special category, that they were not even categorized as sinners. They were sinners and tax collectors, right? And so, uh, if you, the way to sum up the Gospel of Luke is that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And what we see through his narration of the gospel is that he shows Jesus as one who came not for the clean and righteous or the educated or uh, and, uh, the, the upright, you know? This is not 
who Jesus came for. It's, he, 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 he shows Jesus as one who came for the lost. That throughout Luke, the Gospel of Luke, we see Jesus welcoming outsiders into the blessing of grace, while the insiders, who are the Pharisees and the Sadducees, are being shut out. And so it demonstrates that this Jesus did not just come for the Jewish nation, but instead came to redeem the entire world. That regardless of tribe, um, uh, education, gender, whatever it is, that, that Jesus came to redeem the lost. And that was his mission and his mandate, right? And, and so he shows the Messiah as, as being one who came for the entire world, right? And so the thing is, is that by looking at the gospel of Luke and seeing it in that context, then it's no surprise that the book of Acts begins with Luke showing us Christ's mission for the world and his invitation to his disciples to participate in that mission, right? And so this is how the book of Acts begins. That, that, and, and, and let me read from Luke 1, 1 to 9. Huh? In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now what's key to understand here is that Again, Luke is, is demonstrating to us and showing us that Jesus did not just come for the Jewish nation, but he came for the world. The disciples were consumed with the restoration of Israel, right? They're like, man, when are you going to restore Israel? Are we going to go back to the way it was? You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be like the Old Testament, the house of David, Israel, you know? And Jesus is just like, you know, very quickly, you know, is like, no, 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 no. I need you guys to refocus, yeah? Forget about that whole story. Forget about that whole thing to do with Israel. Let me refocus you to a more elaborate vision and a mission that I have for you guys, right? One that involved Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, okay? So first and foremost, what Jesus does is that um, we see him come onto the scene. First and foremost, as you see, he's risen, right? So this is now talking about Jesus post death, now he's resurrected. And the first thing that he does is he begins to talk to them about his favorite topic. If you remember what Jesus' favorite topic was from the last series that we did, he starts to talk to them about the kingdom of God. So he picks up right where he left off, right? He's talking to them about the kingdom of God for a period of 40 days, right? Now he continues this message regarding the kingdom because we all know and you remember from the last uh, series that we did, that Jesus' mission was to establish the kingdom of God in the hearts of men. That his mission was to restore to God what rightfully belongs to him, which is us. We are the custodians of God's creation. 
We are the ones who are mandated to be able to be the ones to govern and rule on earth. And what we, what Jesus Christ comes and does is that he comes to restore us back to him so that his kingdom will would be done on earth as it is in heaven through us, which was the original intention from the first place anyway, right? And so the mission is about having people from every nation, every language, every culture brought back into right relationship with God so that God would be able to administer his will on earth through us. And so Jesus comes to establish his kingdom, his will in the hearts of men. And he came to show us the, and give us the ability to do things God's way, right? Remember what the kingdom of God is, it's God's way of doing things, right? And so he comes to show us and give us the ability to do things God's way. And so how he did this, he did this by living perfectly, by dying sacrificially and rising victoriously, right? And he did this so that through him, we ourselves are able to experience eternal mercy, eternal grace, and assured transformation, guaranteed transformation, that through Jesus we are able to intimately experience God and through that experience have our lives transformed and redeemed. And the thing that is so interesting is that this mission did not just begin at the time when Jesus came onto the scene. We see this mission beginning all the way in Genesis, like I mentioned, right? What was the original intention? The original intent of God was for man to live in peace and joy in the presence of God to administer his will here on earth. Let them rule. Let them have dominion. It was us that were mandated to be the ones who would be the custodians and the managers of God's creation of the earth realm. Right? That was the original intention. And the goal was for God to establish his kingdom on earth through mankind. It was through mankind that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Adam was supposed to learn and understand God's kingdom by being in his presence. And thereafter having the ability to execute God's will on earth with that knowledge. So as mankind, like I mentioned to you, we are the rightful custodians of God's earthly kingdom and God's earthly creation. But in Genesis 3, what we see is that mankind decides to go solo, right? Rebellion happens. Rather than being custodians, they wanted to become their own gods and to follow their own way, to be like God, rather than to be custodians and to be in his image, wanted to be like him rather than to be custodians of that which he has given us. And so mankind is removed from God's presence, but not without God revealing to them that there would come a time where he would restore mankind to himself through another like Adam. Another who would come in the flesh like Adam to restore mankind back to God. And so God begins this process of restoration. All the way we see it from the, from the story of where it begins. And then the next thing we see on the scene is the story of restoration beginning with a moon worshipping pagan man called Abraham. And through Abraham, God begins to usher in the idea of redemptive faith because it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, right? And so we begin to see this, this process beginning with Abraham, this mission beginning with Abraham. And through Abraham, we begin to see the model of the church beginning to unfold, Right? Because it's through Abraham that the nation of Israel is created. Through this nation of Israel, where he says through your seed, this nation of Israel begins to become the model 
a shadow of things to come. Israel becomes a shadow of what it looks like to have a, a chosen people, a people who are used by God to administer his will on earth. And so we see this through the nation of Israel throughout the Old Testament. We see God working through these people, through and through, using these people as his chosen people, as a holy nation, as a shadow of the things to come that would come through the reign of the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. They were meant to be a light to the surrounding nations, similar to what the church is meant to be. And so we see this mission beginning to unfold through Israel, a shadow of the things to come. And so what happens is this, is that later on we see God establishing not a nation called Israel, but instead establishing what we now call the church through Jesus Christ. That through the establishment of the church, that people of all races, gender, nationality, background, profession would come together and worship God and serve his purposes here on earth, to serve his mission here on earth. Israel was a shadow of things to come that would come through Jesus Christ. This mission began from that point. And so what happens is this, is that then Jesus, from that period, after all this, after the shadow, the real thing comes. The real promise comes. The promise from Genesis 3 comes. The promise that God had given to Adam and to Eve. And the promise comes. And that promise is a man like Adam, Jesus Christ, who comes in the flesh. And who, on the cross, first he lives a perfect life. And then on top of that, he goes and dies on a cross to take on our sin, our shame, and our guilt, and our rebellion. And what he does is that he places it upon him, himself, and then he pays the penalty for that rebellion so that we then can experience the forgiveness of sins. And then not only that, he not only died on that cross so that we can experience the forgiveness of rebellion, but on top of that, he is resurrected so that through him, we have the ability to experience a new life. We have the ability through his resurrection to then be ushered into the presence of God. If you remember that at the time when the cross, when Jesus died, that the curtain was split open, basically saying that now every single person is welcome into the presence of God. And it is through his resurrection that we then are able to experience a new life Right? And so Jesus came to fix what was broken at the fall. He came to bring us back into his presence. And so that's why when you look at the first chapter of Luke, the first thing he tells us, the first thing it shows us is that Jesus who died is alive. Because if Jesus had not risen, we would have no hope. We would have no hope at all of any renewal. But the thing is this, is that he did not just die for our sins. We, didn't, we, we haven't just experienced forgiveness, but we have also been granted eternal life, eternal zoe, vitality, purpose, meaning. And so the rising of Jesus Christ allows us to experience new life. And so in the first chapter of Luke, it says that after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them 
over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. The reason why he gave convincing proofs that he was alive is so that these guys don't think that this is just a dream. That this is not an illusion. That Jesus is risen. That he is alive. And that because he's alive, his message remains relevant. His message is alive. That, the, he, that Jesus did not die with his message. That because he is risen, because he is risen, his message is alive. And so what Luke does is that he shows us that Jesus is risen. And that what this means is that because Jesus is risen, that he is continuing with his message regarding the kingdom. That the message of the kingdom did not stop with Jesus dying. He rises up and he appears to them with many convincing proofs and over 40 days speaks to them about the kingdom of God, almost in a sense like continuing from where he left off. The message has not changed. The kingdom of God is still the thing that I want to talk to you guys about. It is still the thing that I want to impart upon you and imprint upon you. And it's through my resurrection that I want the kingdom of God to become a thing that is alive in you. And so he, the, he comes and he rises up. And this is what Luke uh, presents to us, right? That the message of the kingdom has not ended, but has continued through Jesus Christ. But here's the thing that is so interesting here, right? Is that Jesus is risen. He has come with this message that he is continuing from when he was alive, before his, his death on the cross. He dies on that cross for the forgiveness of our sins, for us to be restored and for us to be forgiven. He is risen for us to experience renewal, right? And then he says to them that I want to basically talk to you guys about the kingdom, but there's something that he tells them. He imparts upon them a mission. He imparts upon the disciples a mission that until this day has remained unchanged because Jesus is risen. This message remains unchanged that after speaking to them regarding the kingdom, he tells his disciples, he tells them, wait for the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit next Thursday. He's going to be the other character that we're going to talk about. But the thing that I want to point us to is that he says, wait for the Holy Spirit. Why? Why? So that they would be his witnesses to him and everything that he represents. After that, Jesus ascends into heaven and he leaves them the Holy Spirit who then thrusts these disciples into God's mission of redemption of which, as Christ said to them, is this. That I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to be my witnesses. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, him imparting and saying, wait for the Holy Spirit, is so that you would be the witness that I am alive. Why? Because he is returning back to the Father. And therefore, you as my disciples, your mission through the power of the Holy Spirit, is to be my witness, is to be a witness of me. Let me explain this. What the word here, witness, is, okay? Let me just explain that. Allow me to define what it says here, in just, uh, even just from the dictionary, what a witness is. One who attests to a fact or event, okay? 
one that gives evidence one asked to be present at a transaction so as to be able to testify to its having taken place. One who has personal knowledge of something. And so what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that I want you to be the evidence that I exist. I want you to be the evidence that I live. Because as I live, my message lives. I want you to be those that have a personal knowledge that I am alive. I want you to be those that are the evidence that I live. I want you to be those that show factually that I am alive. That their lives would be evidence of his existence and by extension show to be true the message of his redemptive grace show to be true the message of his kingdom. That through his disciples, people would see Jesus and follow him. And they, in turn, through the Holy Spirit, would also become witnesses to him being alive. This was the mission to his disciples. That their mission was to be his witness so that people would believe in his message. This is the mission, not just for them, but for every disciple. This mission has not changed. That through our spirit-filled lives, we would be able to become a witness to Jesus Christ. That he is alive even today. That today he is redeeming. That today he is restoring. That today he is uplifting. That today he is healing. That today he is resurrecting the dead those who are spiritually dead, that today Jesus is alive. This is why you see in the first message that Peter preached um, uh, in, in Acts 2, 22 to 36, this is after they've received the promise of the Holy Spirit. He says, and let me just quote, uh, just read a, a, a part of this, where it says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let the Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, 
Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Friends, what is the meaning of all this? What am I saying to you? What is the whole purpose of all this? The thing is this. Many of us have forgotten the purpose of why God lifted you out of that mess that you put yourself in. We have forgotten why God has showered us with favor in the workplace and is causing you to excel. We have forgotten why God has taken us through very difficult seasons in our lives, very difficult periods in our lives. And now look at you. You're in a better mental state, a better financial state, a better spiritual state. The reason is so that you would be a witness to the name that made all that possible, that Jesus is still alive, that Jesus is still at work, that Jesus is still transforming, that Jesus is still delivering till this very day, that in his name, that we are still experiencing renewal, deliverance, that in times when we were in difficult situations, that when you look back and you're like, man, I can't believe that. Look at how far I've come from that. The things that were holding us back, the addictions that, were, that, that held us together, that the whole reason why we went through all those things and the things that God has taken us through, not only that, that part of the reason why God has given us so many signs and wonders and is continuing to work through your life and doing things in your life, causing you to excel in places that you know you should not, you're in rooms that you know you should not be in or in conversations that you know you, you're like, man, I, I have no idea how I got into this. It is because of the very mission he imparted those many years ago to his disciples that I want you, that when I fill you with my spirit, to be my witness. To be my witness that people would know that Jesus is alive and at work in the lives of men, transforming them, renewing them through the message of his kingdom. This is the reason why this Jesus is both Lord in that all things are possible. And through him, he is also Messiah. The purpose has always been about being his witness that Jesus is alive. That it is through him that we are able to experience the redemption of our lives. It is through him that we are redeemed from eternal death and we are ushered into eternal life. Eternal Zoe, eternal meaning, eternal purpose, eternal vitality. This is why God wants to use you at your workplace. This is why God wants to elevate you amongst your peers. This is why God wants to take you through various trials and tribulations. This is why God blesses you. This is why he favors you. It is because of Jesus Christ and making his name known. This is the mission. This is the reason why you, when you look through the book of Acts, that why there were so many signs and wonders to behold. Signs and wonders. So signs is just signs, right? Things that you're just like, man, I can't believe like this happened or he, God begins to show you a sign that yo, he's going to bless you here, whatever. Signs and wonders to behold. Things that are just too wonderful to behold. This is the whole mission is for us to be his witness. 
to be his witness that when people would come to you and wonder about how this transformation happened in your life, they would look at your life and be like, my goodness, only God could do something like that. That you're overcoming whatever it is, the addiction, whatever it is, that when people will come and ask you, how did you do it? You would know that it was Jesus who did it and that you would be a witness to his redemptive power. We are called as disciples to be a witness to him that he is alive, that he is alive. Why this is so important is because we tend to forget, right? We are so consumed by the signs and wonders that we forget about why the signs and wonders are there. And so we get to now focus more on the signs and wonders and we forget about the whole purpose of the signs and wonders is for us to be a witness. Or we get consumed by, oh my gosh, the trials and the tribulations. Oh my gosh. And the thing is, is that we forget about the times when we sang. Yeah? I want to be just like you, Lord. Huh? I want to be just like you. And we forget that sometimes to be just like him requires you to be crucified just like him in order that through our lives we would bear the testimony that he is alive. You know, the word witness in Greek is the word um, martus, which is actually the word where the word martyr comes from. Um, martus, which is witness, which is, you know, defined as, you know, those who, after his example, have proved the strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ undergoing violent death. You know, in that time, during the time of, of Acts, uh, the Roman Empire, during the time of the persecution, there were many people who could not fathom how these followers of what they called the way, that was what the Christianity was called, the way. I really love that word. I'm a follower of the way. That guys were puzzled. Like, you guys are willing to give up your lives for this guy. And through this matus, many came to believe in Jesus Christ and experience him. Many of them became his witnesses, his matus. And there are many times in our lives we'll go through very difficult situations which feel like a violent death. But through it all, when we stand firm, when we are hopeful in tribulation, when we are joyful, in tribulation, we become a witness to him that he is alive. You know, what's really interesting about Luke is that, you know, Luke, it says he was a physician, but he never stopped being a physician. And we know about Paul, whom we'll, we'll also look at later, is that he was a tent maker for most of his ministry. He was a tent maker. But what's interesting is that neither of these guys stopped this work. They did not stop. Paul stopped it now later in his ministry, but Luke remained a physician, Paul remained a tent maker. Right? But the thing that's interesting is that Luke's medical skills, like Paul's tent making, they all contributed to their livelihood, but their principal occupation was the advancement of the Christian mission. And the Christian mission is to be a witness to Jesus Christ. We are all called to be witnesses to that name through our lives. 
that through him, through Jesus Christ, we were able to overcome unforgiveness, that we can be a witness to others who are dealing with unforgiveness and be able to be a witness to them that, yo, man, God delivered me from unforgiveness and this is how he did it. And that other people would then be able to be like, man, I want to try Jesus because he is alive. We are witnesses that Jesus is still at work, that Jesus is alive. He is still redeeming. He is still healing. He is still transforming. He is still changing us. He is still speaking words of life to us. He is, we are witnesses. I myself am a witness because I know that I'm not the man that I was a year ago. I am a witness of the transformative power of Jesus Christ that when last year I was less patient and now I'm more patient. This is, I am a witness that Jesus works, that Jesus heals, that Jesus uplifts, that Jesus saves. And the thing is this, is that he wants to use all of us to be his witness through his Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, I said, like next Thursday. But the thing that has become clearer and clearer to me as I, as, I, as I close is that I'm coming to understand now what Jesus meant when he said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And then he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send laborers into his field. One of the things that has become clear is that what this ministry is about, Adulam, it's about equipping laborers. This large church format that we've become accustomed to is coming to an end. It's time for disciples, for witnesses. And how this works is where God wants to influence those around you by using you to be a witness of his presence and his power to them. This is so important right now where the message of the gospel has become so mad with so many different things and just, you know, the elevation of men and, you know, man a God, woman a God. But really the goal is this, is that God wants to use every single one of his disciples to be a witness. That he wants us to be able to experience signs and wonders. That when guys will look at your life, they'll be like, Mega, how are you doing this, man? How is it that you're being elevated beyond, beyond uh, your, your peers? You know, there's a story in Acts um, 4 where it says, it, it's Peter and John. Uh, before the Sanhedrin, before the, the high priest and the, and the, 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 the rulers, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And it says there, as they were making a defense uh, for themselves, it says in verse 13, this is now the Sanhedrin, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. My friends, let me tell you something. Your boy over here, eh, as I sit here, <laughs> I'm an unschooled, ordinary man, right? I unfortunately was unable to complete my college education. I had to drop out for financial reasons. So I never managed to finish my degree. Right? An unschooled, ordinary guy. Just here, just an ordinary guy. Who, 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. I come and I sit here before you. There are so many people who wonder, how do you know such things? How does this guy know these things that he comes to teach us? <laughs> eh? As an unschooled, ordinary man. Not only that, that throughout this journey, this, this short life of, of that, that I have lived so far, that not having an education has allowed me still that I am able to sit here and be a witness and to speak to you of things that the Lord is teaching me. Not only just that, that God has taken me through a journey, even my own life, where as an unschooled guy who didn't manage to have this degree to finish, still at this point in time, run my own business. One that has employed people. That God has been able to use me and to use my life to be a witness that Jesus lives. All this, I tell you, like people ask me, first and foremost, you run a tech business and yet you have no experience in tech. How did you do it? And I gotta tell you, my friends, it's because of him. I can't even lie about it. I can't come and say it's because, you know, I just, I went and I, you know, it's, it's my degree or there's something that I can reference to be able to come and tell, tell me why it is that I, I can be able to, to have a tech company when I have no tech experience, or to be able to come and be able to minister to you the gospel of Jesus Christ with no theological degree, and for lives to be changed by this ministry. All of this, my friends, happens and has happened on account of Jesus Christ. I have no other person to be able to lay claim to. There's no other thing that I can come and tell you is how it happened. I know how it happened. I am a witness that Jesus is alive and that he works and that he helps those who call upon his name. Throughout my journey in business, my only strategy as telling someone is whenever I need to hire people, I pray. Whenever I need to be able to figure out a difficult situation in the business, I go to Jesus and I ask him to help me. This is my witness of the success I experience in business. This is my witness in the things that I understand that even sometimes the things that I teach here, we're all hearing it for the first time, including myself. I'm like, hey, where did that come from? You know, <laughs> here's the thing. I'm an unschooled uh, individual here in front of you. Luke was a physician. Luke was a physician. Him, he wasn't unschooled. But what we know of him as a physician, we don't know of him as a physician, but what we know of him is that he was a diligent and effective witness to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the extent which he wrote the Gospel of Luke and wrote the Book of Acts for our benefit many, many years later, and yet he was a physician. This is the guy who wrote the Gospels of Luke. Luke is an example of a person who was educated and still was a witness. Peter and John were examples and myself of unschooled and educated and still were a witness. The goal of every disciple of Jesus Christ is to be a witness that he is alive. God wants to use you to be his witness. To be his witness. Luke is an example of a person like this. And I hope you would be as well. This is the message that I have for you today. That the mission 
that we have been called to by our, by our Lord Jesus Christ is that through his Holy Spirit that we would become a witness that he is alive and that anyone who comes to hear the hope that we have in us, that they would know that it is because of him that we are where we are and that we experience what we experience in Jesus' holy name. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Father, for every single person that's listening right now, every disciple who's hearing your word. Father, I pray in Jesus' holy name that you would use them to be your witness to others. Father, I pray that you'd give them a deep awareness to understand this mission, that everything that they go through every trial, tribulation, every inconvenience, every success, every, 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 every glory, every advancement, that all this is on account of Jesus Christ, that he is alive, that he is at work. And we are witnesses to that. And you call us to be just that, your witness, that we are the ones who are your witness that you are alive and still at work. Father, I pray that you'd empower and embolden each and every single person listening by filling them with your Holy Spirit, that they would experience the boldness, the truth, the conviction that comes from your Holy Spirit, but they would experience the renewal of your Spirit and through your Holy Spirit become a witness that you indeed are alive. We glorify you today, we honor you, we lift you up. We thank you, Father, for your guidance, leadership, strength, and truth. For it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.